0: The Bench Podcast. Let's go. Three, two, one. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with the Off the Bench Podcast. This is episode number 15. In this episode, we will be recapping the NBA All Star game and All Star weekend as a whole. Taking a look at the new rankings in college basketball and reacting to the bracket sneak peek that the NCAA Men's Division One Committee released to the public, we'll be reacting to those, seeing what where some teams are sitting at right now before the tournament, which is in a very short time. So we'll start off with the NBA and All Star Weekend. You had the All the excuse me the celebrity. All-star game which I mean we saw DK Metcalf throw down some cool dunks and all I didn't really watch it Honestly half the celebrities don't even know So I didn't really want to watch it anyways um, The Rising Stars was pretty cool I like how they divided up into the teams like they did the previous year Jose Alvarado really showed out I just love watching him play in general He hustles on both ends of the court He can really shoot the ball obviously a great defender so that was enjoyable to watch and then we'll move on with more of the the main events we'll say so the skills competition team jazz wins that one against team rooks and onto the Coombros without Giannis. so drew holiday filled in for them honestly the skills competition i i don't know it, it's not i don't think it's that great to be honest Again, NBA players showcasing their skills is entertaining to watch, but this particular skills challenge is just not entertaining to watch. It's very boring. I don't see any entertainment in it. So watching it, I wasn't really entertained, to put it simply. Then after that was the three-point contest, which I think should have been last. You save the best for last, do the three-point contest last, but it was right in the middle. And Damian Lillard wins the three-point contest, finally. Finally. Him, Buddy Heald, and Tyrese Halliburton had great first rounds. They move on to the final round. And Lillard was repping his alma mater, Weber State, hit college jersey. And then on the back, you had Dalla, Dame Dalla. Impressive performance from him. Happy for him to win that. And then the dunk contest, which we all thought was dead. Needed an unbelievable revival. We didn't know who it was going to do or how it was going to be done. And then Mac McClung. Who had an unreal high school mixtape of just throwing down dunks on everybody. Not even, r- most recently was just, like, just signed to an NBA team. He's on a two-way deal with the Sixers. Gets named to the dunk contest. Really the only notable name that a lot of people recognize there. Just from his high school mixtapes and impressive college performances. He comes in and I think all of his dunks except for one were 50s. Very impressed with him. And I think he was the one to have brought Hope back to the dunk contest because in years before, it's just been boring. These guys, they can't even get the dunk on the first try, which ruins the dunk in the end. Mac McClung was throwing them down on the first try, I think, every time. Maybe except for one time, if I can remember off the top of my head. But almost all of them were on the first try, and almost all of them were 50s, and they're very crazy dunks jumping over people doing almost a 720 to end the competition saying it's over ladies and gentlemen it's over and in fact it was over he takes a dunk contest championship i'm very happy for him and it's actually good for his personal brand too a lot of nba teams are gonna or a lot of nba teams and fans really saw what he brought to the big stage in terms of athleticism and being able to dunk the basketball dunking isn't the only thing he's good at he's also, a good all-around player, too, despite his size. So, he's going to get a lot of looks from other NBA teams, and I'm thinking he could potentially sign a contract that's not a two-way, an NBA team. And then, moving on to Sunday, the All-Star game. You had the draft before, which I thought it was a cool idea initially to do that before the game. As I said last week, it would give it more of a pickup game feel. Um... I think it took too long. I I don't know. I I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I'll be honest. I was not a huge fan of it. I think it took too long. I mean, LeBron. Thank God it was LeBron and Giannis as the captains because they just have great personalities. I could actually listen to them talk and joke around for that amount of time. But I don't know. I think it took way too long. Too much going on with it, to be honest. But I think it was a cool idea to do it. I just don't think it was executed properly so the draft that took some time and then you got a pretty much a post malone concert right before the game which did not expect that to happen i don't know if that was planned or not but that happened and then the game happened where we all know the all-star game like all all-star type games in all the different sports leagues really the you got the best of the best on the court playing against each other they're not going to go super hard just because they don't want to risk getting injured in really a pointless game for themselves. And that's what we saw. Jason Tatum broke the scoring record with 55 points, which I think people are overhyping it. I mean, look, no one's playing defense in the All-Star game. And for NBA players to score 55 points, especially when you could just go down, you hit a three or take a layup every possession, no one's going to stop you. I don't think it's that impressive. I mean, coming from a, a fan, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm not in the right place to say that. But from my perspective, I don't think it's that impressive. Giannis only played 30 seconds. He got the first points. Then he checked himself out because he had that sprained wrist that he suffered, which was, was why he couldn't participate in the skills competition. LeBron left in the second half after injuring his right hand on a play. They're calling a right-hand contusion. He might be out for some time. And then there were a bunch of injuries not or before the game where... The players voted into the game weren't able to play, such as Steph Curry, Zion, and KD. Um, I don't know. This this year it didn't have really that. How do I say it? More like that. It didn't really have that All Star Game vibe where you're just enjoying it. You want to watch it. Like honestly, after the first half, I really if I turned it off, I would have been all right with it. I wasn't afraid of missing anything crazy. I mean again it's the all star game, but still. Uh, in terms of broadcasting, they had two separate broadcasts which they did last year. You have the one with I believe it was Brian Anderson, Candace Parker, Reggie Miller, and then on the other side was with Chuck, uh, Charles Barkley, I mean Kenny the Jet Smith, Shaq, the that crew, the T N T crew. Um But the one thing that I noticed that really didn't bring that element of excitement to the game was Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan called the game last year because the year before that, that was when Marv Albert retired after calling. I I, I don't know the number, but so many consecutive All-Star games every year. One of the greatest voices of all time. Much respect for Marv Albert. And then Kevin Harlan comes in. He does a great job last year. He just brings so much energy to the game. I mean, he calls basketball and football games but especially basketball is yeah there's just that unmatched energy that Kevin Harlan brings to every game and especially last year made it really entertaining he called the skills challenge the dunk contest and the three-point contest on Saturday but I don't understand why they didn't have him on Sunday don't get me wrong Brian Anderson great voice I I like him a lot he called uh, when he called the games when Steph Curry broke the three-point record and when LeBron most recently broke the scoring record I I like watching the games that he calls but just for the all-star game his vibe that he brings when he calls regular basketball games didn't really match the all-star game which might be why I didn't find it as entertaining as usual um obviously there's not going to be any defense played in the all-star game which I mean you know the fans love offense but defense is always nice to see too especially getting crucial stops um we didn't really see yeah a lot of defense the last time we saw that kind of defense was 2020 that's when I can remember when it was in Chicago when they first implemented the Elam ending that's when after the third quarter they'd have the target score where they'd add 24 points they leading the team with the highest most amount of points and you play to that point it's almost like a pickup game like playing to 21 that's when that game was close and you saw the guys started to try hard they started playing defense Giannis pinned LeBron on that crazy block that we still don't know if it was a goaltender or block that that's when the all-star game was really exciting when it got right down to the end there right down to the wire and guys were trying but this year it wasn't really close to all games so then the Elam ending didn't really make it as competitive People are saying they should fix the all-star game just because, you know, guys aren't competing as much, but I mean, again, from the player's perspective, it's the all-star break. You have a week off to rest with about 25 or so games left in the year. You don't want to risk getting hurt for the sole purpose of entertainment, which I mean, again, a lot of these guys, you know, they like to entertain being in the business, but not worth risking an injury and potentially hurting your season. Maybe an incentive, but the guy, the winners are already getting paid $100,000 and the losers are already getting paid $25,000. So I don't know what else you could really do. One thing that people have talked about, which I don't think it's a bad idea, is with what the MLB did not too long ago, but that I don't think they're currently doing it as of now with their All-Star game because they still do the conferences. Uh, or the leagues, the American League and the National League where the winning team that conference would get or I don't know why I keep saying conference that league would get home field advantage in the World Series which was pretty interesting so I guess it forced guys to compete just because if you did make the World Series then you would have home field advantage right now in the All-Star game it wouldn't make sense because they're not doing conferences they're doing the captains and to be honest with you I wouldn't mind if they went back to doing East versus West Wouldn't mind it at all. That's enough on the All-Star Game. We'll get into some other news right now. Uh, Russell Westbrook got bought out by the Jazz, and he plans to sign with the Clippers. He'll join Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, his former teammate from the Thunder a few years back, and he's hoping to make a a deep playoff run with the Clippers, who are currently sitting at fourth in the West, and he could make his Clippers debut on Friday. Which would be very interesting to see him play with those guys. Especially with all the criticism he's been getting from the Lakers and LeBron. Maybe a change of scenery for Russ would be for the better. Pat Bev got bought out by the Magic. And he's going to sign with the Bulls. Hometown guys coming back home. Pat Bev is just all over the place on defense. I like watching him play. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see what he does with the Bulls. Especially since they ruled out Lonzo Ball for the rest of the year. Because he had that knee surgery. It's been bothering him forever. And they just said, no, you're not. We don't want to risk anything else. You're done for the year. So maybe Pat Bev will be able to maybe fill in that point guard role. I don't think he'd be starting. He might be coming off the bench. But we'll see what happens in Chicago. In Atlanta, they fire their head coach, Nate McMillan, after two years. He posted a 99 wins, 80 loss record. The Hawks not really playing great this year. They're twenty nine 30 8th in the east. They did have that Eastern Conference Finals run in 2021. That's the year that the Bucs went and won the finals. They have a young core. You got Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins. I I don't I like their team a lot, to be honest. Uh, and they just got AJ Griffin in the draft. But now, uh, yeah, you fire your coach, looking to hire a new one, top candidate as of now, a lot of people are saying, is Quinn Snyder, who was the former Jazz head coach, who resigned prior to the Jazz completely flipping their team. I think it was a mo- about a month before they traded Rico Gobert for that crazy package from Minnesota and then trading Donovan Mitchell some time later. So he's, I think, the top candidate in the running for the Atlanta Hawks coaching job. Uh, another thing for coaching the... Nets and head coach Jock Vaughn, they agreed to an extension that will keep him under contract through the 2026-2027 season. He replaced Steve Nash after he was fired. The Nets right now are currently fifth in the East, and they're seven and a half games out of first place. Now, no KD, no Kyrie. They got that, I think, exciting core to watch play. You got Dinwiddie back in town. Uh, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nicholas Claxton. Just a lot of uh, exciting, I wouldn't say role players, but they're just a lot of exciting players to watch. And the NBA recently released their power rankings after the All Star break with the Bucks in first, Celtics in second, Nuggets third, 76ers fourth, Cavs fifth. So that's, wow, that's four Eastern Conference teams in the top five. Then you got the Grizzlies at six, Clippers at seven, the Knicks at eight. I'm impressed by the Knicks. I love. I, like, I love how they made that trade for Josh Hart. I've always loved Jalen Brunson, especially when he was in college at Villanova. He's always been a great player. Julius Randle. I just love that. I love that core that they have in New York, and I hope they could really do great things. You got the Suns at 9. We're still waiting to see when KD will play. Kings at 10. Again, another young core. Exciting team to watch. Mavs at 11. Nets at 12. Heat, 13. Timberwolves at 14. And the Warriors at 15. So that wraps up our NBA talk for this episode, and we'll move on to college basketball, who just recently released their latest rankings that we were going to talk about. So Houston and Alabama flip. So Houston's now number one. Bama moves down to two. Kansas and Purdue flip. Kansas moves up to three. UCLA stays put at four. Purdue moves down from three to five. Virginia's at six, Arizona seven, Texas moves down to eight, Baylor stays put at nine, Marquette's up to number 10, Tennessee moves down to number 11, Gonzaga at 12, Miami moves up to number 13, Kansas State moves down to number 14, and St. Mary's moves up to number 15. So we are... Only a few days away from when the first conference tournament starts. That's on Saturday. I think it's the Horizon, the Horizon Conference, Horizon League. Their tournament starts Saturday. So really, in that crunch time before March, Ma- before March Madness, 18 days away from Selection Sunday. Um, and the, as I mentioned before, NCAA's Division One Men's Basketball Committee released their sneak peek of the bracket a few days ago. Just the uh, one seeds, two seeds, three seeds, and four seeds. Which, looking at them right now, they don't look too bad, to be honest. I mean, most of the teams that were in the top um, the top 15 that I mentioned before make this cut. So for one seeds, they had this was as of February 18th. They had Bama at one, the number one overall seed. And then Houston, Purdue, and Kansas to round out the number one seeds. Number two seeds in order are Texas, Arizona, Baylor, and UCLA. Which, I don't know, putting UCLA at the bottom second seed, I guess you can argue them to be a number one seed over maybe Purdue or Arizona. The only thing with Arizona is that Arizona has that head-to-head win over UCLA, but they do play later. Uh in less in a few weeks on march 4th a few weeks not in a week and a half i don't know what i'm talking about time's starting to fly but yeah they will play again and that could that matchup could be key in how the committee seeds those two teams Uh, for the three seed tennessee virginia iowa state kansas state and then four seeds indiana marquette gonzaga and xavier so that was from the division one ncaa committee and then looking at bracketology for the you know the last four buys last four in first four out next four out the last four buys are made up of memphis boise state oklahoma state and west virginia so those teams round out the top 64 they won't have to play in the or not the top 64 I, I mean i guess no no it's not the top 64 they're not gonna have to play that extra game to get into the tournament they're not going to be one of the in involved in one of those four games before the first round starts the first four that's what they are the last four in these teams would have to be playing in the first four nevada mississippi state usc and Wisconsin. I believe as 11 seeds because they always have the 4-16 the seeds play each other and 4-11 seeds projected to play each other. And then first four out, the elephant in the room, North Carolina, who went to the championship game last year. They are having a terrible year this year. They're they're above five hundred, but they've been struggling. I mean, they pretty much have the same team as last year, but the one guy that's really hurting them, not being on the team Was Brady Manick Who brought the three point shooting That made them so good last year He was able to spread the floor And create lanes for Baycott To really drive him the hoop And if guys collapse you kick it out Create open threes Which really got their offense going Now without him not really Someone like Manick that could spread the floor And be so lethal from the three So they're struggling North Carolina Right now, they're the first four out, top of the first four out, followed by Charleston, New Mexico, Utah State. And then the next four out would be Oregon, Arizona State, Texas Tech, and Penn State. So for these teams that I've listed, for the first four out and the next four out, they still have a chance to make it in, but right now it's not looking likely. If they want to make it in, I think they would have to win out their re- remaining regular season games, which is not easy to do. And they'd have to really be impressive in their conference tournaments because – or when – obviously, if you win the conference tournament, you go to the the big dance, but that's extremely hard to do. We saw that last year in the ACC. I believe it was Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech made it all the way to the championship. I don't – did they win the championship championship? I'm not sure. I'm going to look it up right now. But they were really a scrappy team that made it all the way to the the championship game. Oh, they did win. They did win the championship game. But then I think they got bounced after either the first or the second round. Oh, I'm thinking of Texas Tech. Texas Tech. No, Texas A&M. I'm getting my my Texas teams mixed up. Texas A&M made it to the championship game last year in the SEC tournament, lost. Um, and they were, I think, one of the first four teams out from the tournament last year. I'm just double-checking that right now. Um, let's see. Texas a and yeah, they were the eighth seed in their conference tournament they lost to Tennessee 65-50, to um, and I don't think they made it into the tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did not make it last year. I think they were one of the first four teams out, which again, very scrappy team. Yeah, they made it far in their conference tournament, but committee didn't think they were good enough to make it to the big dance. So really tough for the first four out and next four out to really make it in. They do have five or six more games left in the regular season before that. So if they do have some impressive wins, again, they're playing in-conference opponents, beating them. Especially for the, the teams in the big conferences like North Carolina, Oregon, Arizona State, Texas Tech, Penn State. Those wins look better on the record because they're playing stronger opponents in the bigger conferences. But yeah, those wins are huge. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the upcoming weeks. And we'll end it at that. We'll wrap up this episode. It was pretty good. Got into many different things. We'll be back next week on March 1st because February only has 28 days. See you then. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Thanks again.